Welcome, Nexus Church family online to our online service for this week. We pray that it'll be a challenging and encouraging message that will uplift you and connect you to God. Uh, in our service today, we will start out with one song of worship, kind of get us prepared for the message. And we'll have about a half hour for a message, maybe a little less, a little more. And then we'll close it off with a time of reflection with a song at the end. And so today, I would like to open up in prayer as we prepare for today's message. Father, thank you for today. I thank you for the songs that we will sing that are praise to you. I pray that the message that is shared today will encourage those who are listening. And I thank you for them and their lives and their families. And I pray that this week will be a great week as we be a light to our world around us in Jesus. Come and stand before your maker, full of wonder, full of fear. Come behold his power and glory, yet with confidence draw near. For the one who holds the heavens and commands the stars above, is the God who bends to bless us with his unrelenting love. Just read. 
Welcome back, Nixus Church family online. Now, as you're probably well aware, if you've been following along in our series, Mind's Eye, today was supposed to be our final week in that series. But over the course of last week, uh, as I was praying and seeking God, it became very clear that He wanted to, to speak on something else. And though I had no clue what it was, I just had that inkling, and I just kept praying and seeking into it. And about Thursday, as I was texting with our leadership team, uh, one of our members uh, just made a brief little statement, and that statement was, but God. And that, that simple two words really, it did something inside of me. You see what that leader was saying was, Although everything around us is kind of crazy and we're really not sure where things are at, the Bible is filled with examples where this kind of thing happened. And every time something happened, there was a but God moment. Now, of course, the Bible might not, the Bible might not always use the term but God. A lot of times you'll see in there a therefore or however Whatever God used in those scenarios, we have these but God moments. And so today we are going to be looking into this phrase, but God. Now before we get into it, why does this matter? Well, I don't know about you, but a year ago at this time, preparing for the holidays, I had no idea what would come a year later as we now look into the holiday seasons, just getting past Thanksgiving this last week, where so many of your Thanksgivings looked different than they did a year ago. And no doubt, we have no clue what Christmas is going to be like. It's less than a month away now, and we look into it not knowing, are we going to be able to meet with our family? Are we going to be sick? How are the hospitals going to be? Will we even be able to go out into the stores at all? Like We are in a time of absolute disruption. Now, this last year, it hasn't just been about COVID, right? We've had this political polarization where people from opposing parties are truly looking at each other as horrible people, like they're almost being demonized by the other side. And then add to it this this racial division that has raised up in our culture where for so many years it's been swept under the rug and we've just kind of turned an eye to it and like it's there but it's not like it once was right like it's not where it was in the civil war or or back in the 50s 60s and 70s where things were getting heated again like we've come so far and it's not that bad but when George Floyd was murdered an old whole gamut of stories start surfacing of injustices that have been done and and now we have people who are claiming that it's not real and forget about it and others have been just been beaten on the horse that we got to have change everything's got to be different and so we're left with polarization and division once again and and one thing is for sure the way we've responded has not been the way that it should be done The attacks that have been going against each side, whether it's political or racial, it's not supposed to be that way. That's not how the United States of America was formed. We have freedoms. We have the right to speak. But it should be done out of love and concern. 
And so here we are now after all of that, and then you, of course, add into this COVID and, and all of the stress and all of the anxiety, all of the depression, the angst, the fear that we have. And I don't know about you, but I've never lived in a time of my life where I have such havoc, disruption, discouragement that has impacted me personally and has bled into my family, has bled into my work, into our church, into our community, and a nation as a whole. And so here we are sitting with this realization that, that we don't know what's coming next. We don't know what the end of the story will be, but I'm going to tell you today that in the Bible, we have assurance, much like all of the examples we're going to read today, that though we don't see the end result, but God is in control. But the question we have to begin with today is, how did our example, that being Jesus, how did he respond when his emotions were affected, when he experienced anxiety, stress, fear, and sadness. And we're going to first turn today in the Bible to John chapter 11, verse 28, one of the most perfect examples, if you will, of how Jesus felt. We don't have many examples in the Bible where, where Jesus showed this kind of emotion. We see him in little glimpses in, this, in the Bible of where he gets angry at the tax collectors, where he gets kind of perturbed at the, at the disciples or, or really angry with the Pharisees or Sadducees. But in this moment, we get a great example of how Jesus responds when he is faced with the same things we're faced with today, where sadness gripped his heart and pulled at him. And so John 11, verse 28, we read, Having said this, she went back and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. Okay, if you don't know this story, back up a little bit, and we know that, that Lazarus has died. This is Mary and Martha's brother. This is somebody that Jesus is very close to. And so they call Jesus to them. And as soon as Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw that Mary got up quickly and went out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to cry there. As soon as Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she felt, fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her crying, and the Jews who had come with her crying, she was, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. He was sad. He was troubled. Where have you put him, he asked. Lord, they told him, come and see. And in that moment, Jesus wept. He was so moved that he was crying. Extremely distressed. 
And so the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus deeply moved again, like the same kind of sadness crept up inside of him. And he came to the tomb. It was the cave and a stone was lying against it. Remove the stone, he said. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, there's already a stench because he has been there for four days. He's dead. And Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd standing here, I said this so that them, they may believe you sent me. After he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, bound hand and foot with linen strips and with his face wrapped in cloth. And Jesus said, unwrap him and let him go. Jesus I'm sure, had anxiety inside of him. I'm sure he was feeling the sadness that if he allowed it to, if he went down the same path others were going down, he would have allowed that to overtake him and lead him down a path that could have derailed him for a season. Jesus understood the pain, and he in no way dismissed what he was seeing in his midst. He wasn't looking at Mary and Martha and beating them up for being sad. He didn't look at the Pharisees or the Sadducees and belittle them. He himself felt the same pain. And I want you to understand, first and foremost today, before we go any further and we discuss, but God, I want you to understand that Jesus is okay with whatever you're feeling. Emotions aren't the issue. It's what we do with our emotions that matters. Jesus felt them. But what Jesus did with them is where the dividing line is between what is right and what is wrong. Now, there's a season of sadness. Jesus was unlike any man who ever walked the earth, and he was able to turn that sadness immediately into a, a productive result. Many of us, we need to go through those emotions of feeling pain, rejection, hurt, anxiety, maybe even some depression for a season. We have to go through the feelings in order to get productive. But what Jesus did was he immediately was productive. And that's what we want to get towards today. Whatever your experience, understand that God understands he understands if you've been displaced from work, if your regular schedule has been blown up and, and you feel all out of sorts. Jesus understands your feelings. He understands if you're feeling anxious or if you're a little edgy or if you're going through a season of depression because of all the things that have just been blowing up on you. But here's the thing. Jesus doesn't want you to stay there. He doesn't want you to be focused on that. He wants you to step up now and, like himself, take it to the next level. 
And that's where the but God comes in. You see, Jesus understood that we are not finished. Where we are right now in our season of COVID and political dissensions and, and, and racial disruptions that that has caused in people's lives, like that's not the end. There is more in store, and he knows the end. And so today we want to go down and understand the power of this simple phrase, but God. You see, we see this in the Bible right away in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, where we read, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. You were dead. You, were, you had nothing to hope for but death. Eternal separation from anything good. In which you previously walked, this is verse 2, according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too, Paul's including himself and his followers in this, we too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature under wrath, as the others were also. Clear picture. You and I, we were destined to eternal separation from God where we would experience the wrath that is, that is due to every person who hasn't walked perfectly in God's eyes or accepted the Savior, Jesus, and His forgiveness of our sins. That's where we were destined, right? Like, this is the kind of of eternity we had to look forward to. Then we read in verse 4, but God. The most important but God in the Bible right here. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, he made us alive in Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses you are saved by grace he also raised us up with him and has seated us with him in the heavens in christ jesus so that in the coming ages we might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in jesus christ but god we were dead we were destined to eternal wrath but God, but God not only saved us, but he has seated us in authority with his son. We have equal rights with Jesus because of Jesus. That's, that's mind-blowing. We didn't do anything. We didn't work for it. We didn't earn it. Jesus gave it freely if we receive it, if We will walk in accordance to his ways, in obedience. But God, the pain, this discouragement, this hopelessness, this rejection that you face today, whatever you are facing today, whatever things are just not the way you would hope them to be, that is all going to be laid to rest. If there's anything we have to look forward to, we have eternity to look forward to. 
But not only do we have eternity to look forward to, we have been made alive today. We don't have to look forward to just the future. We have today to look forward to. Let's take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 7, where we get a good picture of what it looks like today. We have the eternal hope that I'm so thankful for. If Jesus gave us nothing else but eternity to look forward to, we would have nothing to complain about. Because this 80, 90 years that we get on earth so pales in comparison to the eternity we get to be with him. But yet, he gives us 80 years, 90 years, maybe more, maybe less, of life on earth where we can be alive today. Even in the midst of the worst trials the enemy can throw at you, you can live alive today. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 then says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed, and each has the role the Lord has given. We have a role in God's kingdom. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. I, I'm not sure how this hits you today, and maybe you're not here, but you have been given partnership with God to do things for his kingdom. But without God, you are powerless. You get that? With God, you have been given absolute authority to do great things on earth that, that would blow your mind. And if you step into it in the power of God, you will have success. Not for your kingdom, not for your pocketbook or bank account or your business, but for God's business, for his kingdom. You have been given authority, but without it, without God's authority, without walking in his steps, he is the one who gives the growth. He'll later say in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I should say, in earlier chapter, chapter 1, verses 26 and 31, he really clarifies this even better. He says, brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise from human perspective, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing to bring to nothing what is viewed as something, so that no one may boast in his presence. It is from him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became wisdom from God for us. Here it is, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. In order that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. I don't know... Again, how this thought hits you today, because I realize that we 
have been living in the last eight months of just keeping things together. Let's just make sure that, that we can keep passing our classes. Let's just make sure that we can keep our job right now. But what God is saying here is that He's not looking for your success, for your wisdom, for your power, for you name it. He is simply looking for those who are obedient so that he can make himself famous. So that when the world looks at you and it says, how did you do it? How did you continue to go forward and do great things when the rest of the world was falling back? How did you get stronger when the rest of the world was going back? And all you can say is, it's for God's kingdom. He will give you success. He will give you success when you give him glory and you let him lead the way. Now again, maybe today you're just trying to hold it together. COVID has done everything to us to make us feel like we can't even go forward. And, and you know what? Success today isn't going to look like success did a year ago. And so what do we do when we feel like, I'm just holding it together right now? What can we do? What do we have that we can hold on to today when it looks like we have nothing? I want to read to you a few verses from Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 through 21, where we know from the story of Joseph, right, how a man could spend years, decades and decades of his life looking as if nothing made sense, as if God had turned his back on him and left him to nothing but yet Joseph somehow maintained his, his commitment to God in living a holy, ethical life. And at the end of his life, as, as he is at the prime of everything, he looks at his brothers when they came back and, and they had to face him and realize what had become of Joseph and what their destiny could be like. Their destiny should have been death by Joseph when they came back to see him as the second in command to the most powerful man in all of the world, King Pharaoh. And here is what we read from Genesis chapter 50. And I want you to apply this to your life. What the enemy has meant for evil, God is going to turn it to good for those who stay committed to him and what he has called them to no matter what. Genesis 50 verse 15 says it this way. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said to one another, if Joseph is holding a grudge against us, he will certainly repay us for all the suffering we caused him. 
So they sent the message to Joseph. Before he died, your father gave a command. Say this to Joseph. Please forgive your brother's transgression and their sin. The suffering they caused you. Therefore, please forgive the transgressions of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when their message came to him. His brothers also came to him and bowed down before him and said, We are your slaves. Like they were going all out, doing everything they knew in their power to be forgiven. Joseph threw it all aside. They didn't have to do a single thing. Right? They didn't have to write the letter. They didn't have to come and bow down and say, we're your slaves. He said to them in verse 19, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your children And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. We sure don't know the end result of COVID-19. We sure don't know the end. Now, maybe you are listening to this years later, and you can say, yeah, we know what happened, and it wasn't that good. (laughs) But even still, you, if you're listening 20 years later, don't really know the end of it all. Only when history is stamped closed and the earth we know as it is, is done and we have eternity in front of us. God says it is finished for the book is closed and we have now entered the last chapter of Revelation. Nothing's ever really finished. And what God is going to do after all this racial tension, after this COVID-19, after the political disruption that has been the, the president candidacy over the last three months. We don't know what God's going to do. It appears as if everything is just blown up and we have no idea. But here's what I do know. God will use it for good. He will. And I can guarantee you that he is going to do something never before done or seen in history because God is the creator of all good things. And he is up to something good. He's creating something good today for you and for all of mankind. You see, Paul wrote it this way in Romans 8, 28. He says, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. But God, but God will use it for good, for his purposes, for his purposes. And he loves, he loves, he loves you. He loves all all of humanity, no matter how much they've rejected or hated him or done evil in his presence, he still loved them and loves them enough to send his son. Go through the wrath that they should go through. Sent his son 
for you, for me, for all of mankind. And no matter what we face today, He's going to do it for good in the end. He will not force His will on anybody or anything, but He allows things to happen. And when they happen, He will be continuously doing good to change what we do for good. He's a good God. Charles Spurgeon said it this way. He said, To trust God in the light is nothing, but to trust Him in the dark, that is faith. That is faith. You see, we have to trust God because we don't see everything. But here's what I do know about God. Psalm 73, 26 put it this way. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is my strength of my heart, my portion forever. Let's wrap this up into this thought today. We sure don't know what the end will be. That's where faith comes in. That's where faith is tested and it's purified and it's, it's given its beauty. We today, what we are facing is creating a strong faith that will remain. But here's what I know. As the psalmist said in Psalm 73, 26, we can know that God will be with us every step of the way and he will strengthen us through it all. He will strengthen us through it all. As Jesus himself said in Matthew 19, 26, but with God, all things are possible. With man, it's impossible. Salvation, Jesus was speaking about salvation in this particular passage. We can't do it on our own. We can't earn salvation. We can't get salvation. There's nothing we can do. But with God, all things are possible. And when we walk with Him, He makes the impossible possible. And so whatever you are facing today, maybe you're experiencing extreme persecution. Maybe you're going through a, a bout of depression that just makes you feel like you just want to give up and end it all. Maybe you've done some bad things. Maybe you've lived a perfect, great life, the best you could possibly live. You're, you're a devout person who's stuck to it, been faithful, honest, loving, and things just continue to come against you and defeat you. But God, He's there with you. And He will make what seems impossible in your life right now possible. But again, you have to stay true to him. As Spurgeon said, we have to trust him. Not our circumstances. Not our president. Not how somebody's treating you. Not your job. Not your health. We've got to trust God, no matter what. Because everything else will fail. Everything else will fade away. But God remains faithful, but God will strengthen you. Father, I pray for your people right now, whatever they are going through, that you will remind them right now, and you will just hit it home, hit it home, hit it home. Right now, in the name of Jesus, 
you will be there with them, no matter what they are facing. Everything else in life may fail them, but you will never fail them. You will turn this evil that's done against them for good. We may not understand what that is right now. We may never understand on earth, but we know that in the end, you turn all things for good of those who love you. And I pray that over every listener today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Nexus Church family online for joining us today. And I so look forward to seeing you again next week.
this world that's all weird and crazy right now and all the things that we cannot control and all the things that we worry about God stands unshakable amen you believe that today I don't know what you're facing I don't know what you're frustrated with I don't know what you're afraid of but God remains he is unshakable there are a lot of messes I don't know about you, but my life is not perfect. Nope. What's going on in our world right now affects everyone. Everyone. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the challenge, I guess, that, that I was hit with this morning. You know, God created us originally to fellowship with him. Right? And you know, when, when he put Adam and Eve in the garden... You know what his intent was? That they not know good and evil. They didn't need to. Did you know that? And then Satan came and said, You know, Eve, if you eat that fruit, you're going to know everything. Good and evil. And she said, Hey, that looks good. I want to know it all. But it wasn't God's intent for her to know it all. He didn't intend that. He intended to shield her. He intended to, to know all things, yes, but to know, to keep her, to shield her mind, to shield her from knowing all the things that she didn't need to know. All she needed to know was that God was God and she was his creation, created to fellowship. You know what? We can't go back. We can't go back to the Garden of Eden as much as we want to. We can no longer be completely shielded. That's gone. That's done. But here's what I know. Here's what does not change. We are still created to fellowship with him. It is still his intent. So here's my challenge. At least it was the challenge to my heart. Don't go looking for things you don't need to know. Don't go looking for them. Paul said in Philippians, he said, you know, I've tried to learn all of these things. And this is what I realized. The only thing I know, need to know is Christ and him crucified. That's all I need to know. Christ and him crucified. You guys, in all the things that are going on in your life, if you have the control, of, if you have the control over it, don't go there. 
don't fill your mind. Fill your mind with what is true. Things that are good, things that are pure. Don't, as much as it is under your control to do, do not fill your mind with the yuck. Don't. Don't. God wants to shield you. He wants to protect you. He wants you to be able to live your life in fellowship with him. In fellowship with him. That's what scripture says. I know life is messy. Let me tell you from experience, in all of the tears, in all of the difficulties, he just slips in that piece of chocolate every once in a while. You know? Right in the middle of the Brussels sprouts. And he says, here you go. Just a little something sweet. And the more time I spend with him, the sweeter it gets. The sweeter it gets. So we're going to go back into the bridge. All my hope is in you. All my hope is in you, Father. Praise you, Lord.